Welcome to Genius Leadership Overcoming Everything podcast. I'm your host, Anna Liebel, a mind shifter, helping male leaders in tech get out of the firefighter mode, become the proactive leaders they want to be, and enjoy the ride as they go. Join me every week for honest, insightful conversations with corporate, entrepreneurial, and academic leaders about their rollercoaster ride to leading from their zone of genius. If you find the show valuable, could you do me a favor? Rate and review the podcast. Share it with your network so that more of us can live a healthier and happier life. And for now, let's take the ride together. Hey, Genius Leader, I'm happy you're tuning in for another episode of the show. Today, I'm talking to Rob Napoli. He is an accomplished trainer, speaker, entrepreneur, business, and career coach. Originally from the Midwest of the US, he moved to Milano in Italy uh, following his then girlfriend, quite freshly girlfriend, now a wife, uh, where while she was studying, uh, he did a master in multi-channel marketing. And then he stayed there working for a global startup. With that startup, he moved back to the US and now he's based in New York City. Uh, having several companies of his own, being a coach for startups through several accelerators and doing lots of fun stuff. He's also a public speaker, doing corporate trainings, having his own podcast, The Bare Necessities of, of Entrepreneurship. Highly recommend that one. And yeah, doing a lot of fun stuff. He's been working with marketing and personal branding and brand building for years now. And he's soon releasing his book about that, how to build the personal brand in a way that will stay true to you years ahead. I'm looking forward to the release of his book. The pre-orders will start in end of November. And uh, please grab your copy when it comes out, because I think Rob can share a lot of great things and he will do so in that book. So today we're talking with him about Gen Z, who are taking bigger and bigger share of the workforce nowadays and who are quite different from us millennials and from the previous generations who are still in the workplace. These guys and girls have grown up being hyper-connected, having all the information they want at their fingertips and being able to find that information. And we're talking about what does that mean for us as leaders? What does that mean for our workplaces? How can we attract people we want from that generation? And how can we retain them? How can we make sure that we fulfill their needs so that they never need to leave our company and they can continue growing within the company, hopefully? And sometimes if you need to let them go, how can you do it in a good way as well? Those are the things we're discussing. With Rob. And I want to give you a couple of highlights. First thing we discuss is actually about building a business in general as a necessity or an accessory. And Rob is talking about that pandemic crisis has shown us what businesses survive and that not every business can be, can go in a healthy way through the tough times. And we're discussing how you can build your business into becoming a necessity for your clients instead of accessory. And I love how he's talking about the importance of listening to your customers for that. And that is the way to go from just being a nice to have as a function, as a tool, product, service, whatever it is, to becoming a must have for your clients. And from there, we transition to discussing, okay, Gen Z employees are also our customers, internal customers. And what do we need to do to make sure 
they get into our company and stay within that. And a big part of the conversation goes into the expectation management and openness and being flexible and fluid. You will need to sometimes say something unsexy to those uh, Gen Z potential hires of yours, for example, about the career path that you don't know all the steps of it in ahead, or that it will take longer than they expect to get to the next stage. And as long as you are honest about that, open about that, and don't promise the golden mountains where you know that you can't deliver them, this is the way to actually create sustainable success within the company. Yes, the other way you can get those people in to your house, but they'll leave when their promises are not fulfilled and their expectations are not met. So handle the expectations well. Uh, talk openly with them to redefine their roles, to find the that sweet spot where they can contribute to the company in a healthy, sustainable way for themselves and for the company. And be all open and authentic about the challenges of the leadership. This is something that we are up with, that you would need to be the example of how to lead, right? And that is important to show that leadership is tough. And if your employees, the Gen Z, want to grow into those leadership roles, they need to learn how to do it in a healthy way. They need to be prepared for those challenges. And for that, they need to have the toolkit and the strategies to actually overcome them in a good way. That's what we're talking about on this show, right? It's about leading from your zone of genius and overcoming everything. So listen carefully to our conversation with Rob and take what you can from him and from our conversation. And I hope you enjoy it and share with us what you have taken from it. Do it on LinkedIn because that's the platform where we both are most active. Looking forward to hearing from you guys. Have a wonderful episode listening experience and see you on the other side. Hey, everyone on LinkedIn, YouTube, and Facebook. I'm super stoked today to have this conversation because that's the person whom I love talking to. We've just had a couple of conversations so far, but I know that this is just the beginning of a beautiful friendship that will hold for a long time. And I'm super happy to share you, Rob, with my audience on yeah. these platforms. Hi, Rob. Hi, man. Great to be on, and I'm excited for our chat. You know, it's been fun getting to know you a little bit leading up to this and kind of the pre-show conversation. So I'm excited and, and happy to be here. And, and uh, you know, like I said, I always love having a conversation with people and being able to, to talk about, especially Gen Z and what we're looking to, looking at with the future of work. So that's a fascinating topic that I, I love. I, I'm sure a lot of leaders are thinking about and trying to kind of push away because it feels like too new, too scary. Now there are some more burning fires going on, yeah. so just postpone it. So here you go. Grab a cup of something warm on this Friday afternoon for me, Friday morning for you, Rob, yeah. and, and enjoy the conversation with us. And Rob is an amazing way at engaging with the audience and providing a lot of value. So if you're with us live, drop into uh, comments uh, your ideas, your questions, your reflections. Engage with us because that will give us even more energy from, from this conversation and yeah. more value for you because we get your questions answered. So Rob, you already mentioned what we're going to talk about, but let's first roll back a bit to or kind of go higher up at the, to the theme of the show in general, which is sustainable business performance. Mm-hmm. When you hear those words, what comes to your mind? A lot of things. When you break those words down, you have sustainability. What does sustainability mean for each individual company? Is that sustainability and impact? 
right? Mm-hmm. Which is hot topics today with things like fashion and climate change, but sustainability of can your business survive highs and lows, which we saw in 2020. And it, you know, we got to this place where we were just doing to continuous companies were forming as continuous innovation, meaning they were accessory. This will do one step better, not mm-hmm. necessary. And mm-hmm. we saw a lot of businesses that were necessary rise up to the top, right? Because when you're slashing budgets, you're going to, and you have 14 technologies, you're going to keep the four most critical. Mm. All these other add-ons were accessory. And we realized a lot of companies were, weren't really innovative. They were just building off something already done. And then you had to see, okay, can they pivot? So there's sustainability in the business perspective. Mm. And then obviously performance, how do you weather those storms, highs and lows? And it's, it's harmonious in terms of the whole business because you have more than one business unit, right? You have sales, mm. marketing finance, operations, you're raising. So how does all that work together? And that's what's, to me, that's like sustainable business performance. And it means a lot of things to a lot of people. And depending on where you're at in the organization as a startup, scale up, series D corporation, that means something very different um, in how you break that down. Fascinating. As you said, it is a complex term that actually covers a lot of things. And I really love exploring it with my guests because it brings new aspects, new shadows to it, new tastes based mm-hmm. on what the background is of, of you as a guest. So I really like what you talked about the, with it, whether it's a necess- necessity or it's an accessory mm-hmm. for uh, your business, for your clients. And here, just to, to derail directly from our main conversation, just a quick question here. How would you recommend the founders or people who want to become an entrepreneur think about the idea if they don't listen to you and thought hmm yeah but my thing is just a nice to have thing so should I not even start the business or should I close it down or are there always ways to turn everything into necessity whatever we're talking about I'm going to say the best answer in business I ever got is it depends right it's going to be (laughs) contextual my thought is don't ever not start it, even if it's a nice to have, because as you go through that expert, this is what a lot of businesses forget to do is they forget to listen to the fucking customer. They have this idea, they think the solution is going out and they're just like, I'm going to go with it. And it could be a nice to have today, but by listening to the customer, you could make it a necessary and you can pivot and implement and innovate your product. And that's what I think too many people, too many founders and entrepreneurs do is they, they, you know, don't see the forest between the trees, so to speak, or as my, my friend Eric said to me, and it resonated so much better is you can't see the picture because you're in the frame. Mm-hmm. Right. And so mm-hmm. when you think about your product, you need to think about, okay, this is good. Get it the fuck out. Don't be perfect. Mm-hmm. Get it out, get the get in customer's hands, take that feedback cycle and then decide what's next. And so for me, it's all about that. It's just get it out. And it may be nice to have today. That doesn't mean it can't be necessary tomorrow, as long as you're listening to those feedback loops. So important. And I struggle with that myself sometimes. I'm sitting there and trying to kind of bring the uh, pieces of puzzle together based on my experience with my clients and then thinking like, okay, here, I could do this, for example, to make it an even better experience for my coaching clients and so on. And I'm just sitting with that idea for a bit too long before going out and asking like, hey guys, do we actually want to, to have this instead or on top of or yeah. coming to the others and say, hey, what do you think? Would, would this resonate with you? So it's a good reminder to have, even yeah. though I've, I've learned that so many times and I got so much better at that with practice, but it still happens. So mm-hmm. it, thanks for a reminder, Rob. And actually what you talked about, listen to the customer. Mm-hmm. I think that's a good 
transition or bridge into the conversation that we're going to have today about the Gen Z in the workplace. Mm -hmm. That generation that becomes more and more of the percentage of the workplace right now, active workforce. So how do we lead those people in a sustainable way, sustainable for us as leaders, us as organizations, and of course, the the employees of ours who are of that generation. So they are our customer, our internal customer. Let's talk yeah. about how can we talk and listen to them and what yeah. can we learn from that? A lot. And there's a lot that we also have to realize, right? We think about the Gen Z, we're looking at 18 to like 24, right? Mm-hmm. Just entering the workforce. Your millennials are in that, you know, still that, I guess, late millennial, depending on where you look at it, 25, 26, up to, to 40, right? So your millennials are becoming more leaders. You're putting them in a leadership position. And then you have our older generations who are still you know, wise beyond their years and leading. And so there's this, this disconnect, though, from the top to the bottom, right? And what makes the millennial generation so unique is that we grew up in a time before and after internet. We grew up at a time when you just accept a tradition and asking why. In fact, that was like the millennials thing. Like, oh, why do you always ask why? It's such a millennial thing to do, right? Mm-hmm. And the cell phone, right? This technology, we got it. I think I was a sophomore in high school when I got my first cell phone with, you know, being able to text and you paid per text and call and you could play Snake versus when I got my first smartphone after I graduated. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I, you know, being able to see that and so... Think about all those layers, right? From the BlackBerry to the iPhone to where we're at today with smartphones and how we consume content and how we learn. And if we are looking at leadership and companies saying, well, we're going to keep doing things the way we've done and we're not innovating. And our internal customers as Gen Z comes in and say, look, we can find anything we want on YouTube. We can find anything we want on Google. We don't necessarily have to go to college to be knowledgeable and learned. They lit, they mean, my four-year-old niece knows how to like FaceTime me and close it out and like do everything on a phone. I'm like, you know, we don't, we sometimes don't give kids credit enough for how smart they are and, and our younger generations. And so it's really, how do we bridge that gap and start to think about, well, where do they spend their time? Where do they learn? What are they looking to do? You know, our gen- you know, millennials and even more so Gen Z, they want to work for companies and for leaders that make an impact. And in fact, as we look into the future and we look at these, new grads coming into our workforces, they're going to choose jobs in a couple of things. And yes, we talk about the money and numbers now are absolutely crazy and expectations coming. That's a whole other conversation. Mm. But what it comes down to and what you see a lot is that they want to work for a company brand that makes an impact. Mm. More so, they want to work for somebody that's going to help them grow. That puts a lot of pressure on our leadership. And a lot Mm. of times we promote in those kind of frontline managers, we promote the most, especially in sales, the most, you know, the highest producer. Mm-hmm. And we don't always look at what does it mean to be a leader. And sometimes the best player is not the best coach, but sometimes it is. And sometimes the best coach was not the best player. Sometimes it is. And we mm-hmm. need to look at how do we create leaders and provide leadership training so that we can bridge that gap because those are things that they really are looking to make an impact with and, and what they're looking for to step into a role and an organization. I think you mentioned something very interesting that this expectation of being led into led along their growth path is a huge part of Gen Z motivation for the job and for the company. 
And that, as you said, it puts a lot of pressure on the leader because they supposedly already have so many things on their plate. Mm -hmm. And here they go. Here are sitting all these young people and looking at me and expecting me to know what to do with my life or with their life. So what would your suggestions be to our genius leaders tuning in, having those hungry eyes of ambitious people in front of them? Well, I think it's it's twofold. It's one, it's, it's having the direct conversation with what are you looking to get out of this? Like, what is your growth plan? You know, asking them that question because the other thing you notice, and and I've got some amazing um, Gen Zers that have been on my team that are, I'll, I'll go and say it, smarter than me, do things mm-hmm. that I can't. But then, you know, there's things that I can do better, right? Like that's from experience. And so, you know, I think the big le- learning lesson is, okay, how do how does that work both ways? You have a, a truly hyper-connected group of individuals entering the workforce that are very good at finding out answers. You can't bullshit them. They're going to go TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, Google. They're going to go look for five different sources and they're going to go find a wealth of information, right? So stop trying to bullshit them. You know? Just be honest. Okay, ask them what they want and what you expect. One, set clear expectations. Don't bring in somebody say, oh yeah, we're going to bring you in and you could be promoted in six months when you know in reality it's 18 to 24 months of learning before that person could come in mm-hmm. and make an impact. So create expectations. Hey. You're going to step into uh, a marketing communications role. And to be honest, this role is we're looking for somebody for the next 12 to 18 months. That's about how long it's going to take you to learn our systems, learn our process, grow, make impact. Then we mm-hmm. look to bring you into a marketing manager. But these things have to happen before this. Mm-hmm. Instead of saying, oh yeah, in six months, it's totally doable that you're going to be promoted. And then asking them. So it's being clear with expectations because you know what? Also, if you're a first time leader out there listening, Anna, you know what? I would love to promise you these things, but I can't because I don't know what I don't know. What I can tell you is I'm going to bring in the organization. This is an experience you're going to get. This is what you're going to get from me. And this is what I'll do to fight for you. Mm -hmm. I ask that you come in with those expectations and eyes wide open and let's make something happen. We'll see where it goes. And I think a lot of leaders are afraid to do this. I had some Why do you think it's scary to do so? Because you're essentially training somebody to replace you, right? And so a lot of leaders are afraid to do this thing where if I teach them too much, what if they step above me? Especially because they may have more technical skills. And that's a really real fear of people in power, right? In a leadership position. And I've worked for some amazing leaders who have groomed me to be above them. And usually the idea is if I bring somebody to replace me, I take that next step up, right? That's the natural progression. But the best sign of a leader is that you have a bunch of employees that work for you that went on to do bigger and better things. Because that actually points back to who that leader was that gave them that opportunity. But we don't look at it like that. We get scared. And so we don't think about leadership and the impact that we can make into others. And that's what Gen Z wants. So I'll, I'll kind of leave it there for a second. But that I think is the most important thing that we're scared to do and how we need to look at leadership, especially if you're a new leader, not being scared of the unknown, lean into that uncomfortableness, lean into that fear and know that the best thing you can do is create a great team that will probably go off to do other things. Like we want to keep a good team together, but Sometimes you got to let them go off and, and be be great. And that mm-hmm. is the mark of great leaders. There are so many good things here that we could touch upon. One of them, what, what you talked about, being honest in those conversations, like, okay, the, this these are the expectations. This is the progression plan that if you join us, we'll follow as much as we know to the best of our knowledge at the moment, right? Life changes. But when you are saying, being honest with your potential hires and saying, okay, this will not take six months. This will take 12 to 24 months. 
I could imagine that quite some leaders are afraid of losing good candidates because they will just go somewhere else looking for that quick yeah. thing. Because that my perception of millennials are that, or, or the Gen Zs are even more than millennials, that they want those quick steps, quick feedback, progression continuously yeah. that is noticeable, right? That is on your LinkedIn profile and so on. Not only the things that you have gained as experience. How would you address that concern or fear? That's a great question. And it's one that I've loved watching happen within the sales community on LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. And some leaders, there's some amazing leaders out there, too many names to name, but you know, there's a Thursday night sales community that has a lot of leaders talking about this. And and I think, you know, Rev Genius Community talks a bit about this and especially within the sales progression, right? And this is why I think the biggest misconception is right is, is sales. And it's the least trained, but most impactful because it drives the revenue. Mm -hmm. And he, this is where a lot of times it's like, oh, six months in, in transition. And I was recently just talking to um, somebody the other day that I met through a group called Propel that I met in. And he, he was asking me about you know how to handle that conversation because he's, he's made an impact, a real impact in, 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 a, in a short time. And it's like, how do I have that conversation and setting expectations? And I was like, tell them what you want. Go in and say, hey, this is what I've done. What do I need to do to get to that next step? Ask the question. And so when we think about this, and yes, we're going to say, oh yeah, you can do this in six months to get these best candidates in. But all you're going to do is set yourself up for failure. There's a reason why the average tenure in sales is like six to 12 months. So let's reverse the script. This is what these communities are talking about. And what I love to see is like, hey, we need to stop doing this stupid shit of saying, come in and be promoted in six months. Because you're going to have somebody there that's going to leave in six months. Okay, great. You get the candidate in. You're not going to retain them. So then you start mm -hmm. the process all over. Mm -hmm. And so it starts, it starts with that. And it needs to be, you know, community-wide, leadership-wide across all organizations. Hard to do, but when you have amazing groups out there that are talking about this on a regular basis, I think you're going to see that happen. And I bring it up from a sales perspective. I think that's the biggest, you know, that's where there's most turnover. And, and it's, it's top of mind, you know, marketing, finance, all these different layers have that. And, you know, let's, let's be honest. If you run a company with a competition out there and say HR tech, and I want to scale and do a marketing rebrand, I might go look at my top 10 competitors who did something very similar and go find the person that did theirs because they're going to want to already know how to do it. And two, have deep industry knowledge. Is it worth paying extra 10, 20 grand to bring that person over to lead your organization through it? If that's going to net your business $2 million revenue, absolutely. Right. So understand that that is a very real possibility. This is why we don't invest into training, but we need to invest in the training because we need the reason why most people leave organizations in this great resignation that we're in, they don't feel wanted. They don't feel appreciated. They don't feel desired. They don't feel like their growth is at the forefront. We need to flip that and make that growth at the forefront. I love it. I love it, Rob. Uh, what I'm thinking about right now is those guys and girls who are entering the job market right now mm -hmm. and you as a leader the the genius leaders tuning into my show they they are responsible they want to do good right not only for mm -hmm. the organization but for their people as well and it can be also scary to lead someone who is completely different as you said these girls are growing up with a completely different world around them mm -hmm. all being hyper connected and we might feel lost as leaders, trying to find the approach to them. 
We've already mentioned being honest, setting the expectations, talking about those things. But I would like to look deeper. What else can we do as leaders on our own side, first of all, of self-leadership, but also in those conversations with the potential hires and the new employees and the current employees to retain them as happy employees? What can we do to continue bringing value to all levels, the employees, ourselves, and the company? That is a great loaded question. I'm going to start with new employees and work up, right? So Mm -hmm. for employees coming in, it's all about how we onboard them into the the company, right? And onboarding starts from the recruitment process, right? Mm -hmm. That first reach out all the way through because every step along the way gives them more confidence or not confidence in the company and what to expect, Mm -hmm. right? And I tell people this all the time, if you go into an organization and you interview and it's two months and then you get an offer, what happened in that two months? And you had, you know, it was like zero to 30. You, you replied 10 times. Like when you step into the organization, like you think they're going to be really on it in terms of time? No, that's a red flag, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So from an organization standpoint, like that onboarding process, current employees and that kind of middle level is put an emphasis on them. What do you want? What do you want out of this organization? I know this sounds like really like beautiful and great, like asking them what they want, realizing that a company can't give everybody what everybody wants. Right. We have to understand that there are things as a business owner, as a leader, as a company that you're just not going to be able to do, but at least ask the question and figure out where you can give. Mm-hmm. Right. And then, you know, for senior folks, is as you look at where you sit in the business and what impact do you want to leave? Because at some point, there's an end to what mm-hmm. you're doing. Mm-hmm. Right. And there's going to be a transition when you retire or leave or change. What's the impact that you want to leave out of the organization? So if we, uh, so if we do that from a, total spot. And then it, as each individual come in and think about what does this mean to us? What is this role? Because some roles you're going to step into is a stepping stone. It is, I'm going to go here for 12 to 18 months, learn what I need to learn. That's not what I want to do. Or you go in and you learn that this is not what I want to do. And that's okay mm-hmm. too. So it needs to be a fluid conversation. Like it's never going to be perfect. We can't, we don't, we're not going to live in a utopia. And when you stand for something as a brand and as a company, you tend to alienate somebody. It just happens. No one can love everybody, right? And my friend Brian Burkhart talks about this in his book, Stand for Something, which I read recently. And I was like, holy shit, that's really impressive because I used to be a people pleaser. I wanted everybody to like me and love me. And that made my life tough and led to lots of anxiety, stress, and a breakdown. And it's like, oh, a lot of people feel this way too, right? So brands and companies need to stick to the essence of this book is you know, their core beliefs. And then that's their North Gunning Star. And then you're going to, if you do that from the top down, the way you recruit, the way you bring people in, the way you train, the way you treat them, as long as everybody continues to work towards that North Star, you create this ecosystem that becomes the right one. And then each company is going to have their own. And know that not everything's going to be, we can't have everything the same. That's for sure. If we talk about the the needs, as you said, that the Gen Z want to make an impact with their work. And I, I see it already, already from my generation, from our generation, right? For the millennials, yeah. we want to work for something that we see the purpose in and the meaning yeah. in, but it goes even more extreme or even more well-defined for for the Gen Z. So how could we have the communication about that and a continuous conversation and dialogue yeah. about their fulfillment of, of their purpose? Yeah. And what do, what have you done with the clients whom you've been consulting and all the all the startups that you've been uh, coaching yeah. over the past years to to make clear that. Oh, so I love this, and it's something that um, I can't take full credit for. This was a genius idea from 
my business partner, I'm not sure where you guys are, Phil DeVecchio, my business partner, Haptic Group. So we run, I run two companies. One is Haptic Group, which is sales as a service. So we can sell clients on building sales teams. And then there's like the entrepreneurship and scale up and corporate consulting, right? And when I joined and we started the company back in 20, early 2019, when we were talking about hiring, he was like, Rob, I have a thing that I really do in terms of a third, a third, a third of the jobs. So a third of the job is like your job description, like your mm-hmm. duties and responsibilities. A third mm-hmm. of the job is how you impact the team, right? Like where do you, mm-hmm. where do you like, grow within the team dynamic and taking on responsibility of the team? So two thirds mm-hmm. of your job is like your, your role, right? Mm-hmm. This last third, you give them a third of the time. And this is where like your expectation is a leader of like their 40 hours or 50 hours of a week that like, you need to give them this kind of space and grace. So that's, you know, a couple of, you know, companies are doing like a week off, mandatory weeks off or shutting the company down around different times a year for a mm-hmm. week to give people time for this stuff. But, or like Friday, and I think this actually started with like maybe Google or Amazon, mm-hmm. maybe it was Google, like the, Google, the third uh, piece. Anyways, but we, we started doing this with our employees and I loved it. And so I've been coaching a lot of people since it's gone over well. Is that that final third is where impact happens. Mm-hmm. What are you passionate about? How can you make mm-hmm. a bigger impact? What are things you want to learn or take on? Either growing your sphere of influence or bringing your experience into creating more of a sphere of influence. Mm-hmm. So maybe your background was finance and accounting, but you love sales and you transition to sales and you're working for a startup and you realize that the startup doesn't have a bias from and they've outsourced to be like, hey, I can help do some of this stuff to make our books ready. And I, I can that my third. I, I still love this thing. I still love accounting. I don't love doing it every day, but I can wear that hat for whatever a year and grow my sphere of influence with the company. And it still kind of falls in bucket two and bucket three. Mm. But if you give that expectation that two thirds the job is to the job, but a third is for this innovation to happen, you'll see what happens. And this is why the concept of personal brand has exploded even more so. And everyone has their own brand and impact and what you're learning and how you're growing about it, because that's where you can really make your own mark, whether you're first job in or you're a 50-year vet. Mm-hmm. Right. Everyone has something that's unique to them. So that's what I've been coaching my, my clients on that third, a third, a third value. I love it. And I would like to ask like, when you implemented it in your company, did you see the levels of positive engagement going up and maybe oh, yeah. the, the retention of your employees? And, and also, how did it pro- affect your business performance, right? Oh, your, your numbers? Because I could imagine that a lot of leaders are watching you and listening to you right now and thinking, like, hmm. Yeah, but someone has to do the job anyways. And I have the board of directors or investors to report to. So how can I can I tell them that a third of, of the time that I'm paying for is done for hobbies or used yeah. for hobbies? Hey, Genius Leader, I'm chiming in here quickly to ask you to do one thing for me. If you're enjoying this episode, share it with one person who you think would find it valuable as well. Let's spread the goodness together so that more people can play within their zone of genius. Well, because out of hobbies usually comes innovation, right? We're spending 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 hours a week at work. Like a majority of our life has been at work. And if you're just expecting your employees to not have... Because there's there's two types of people in this world. There's those that their work is their passion. And that's one camp. That's the camp that I strive for. There's another camp where work feeds their passion, right? Mm -hmm. They work because their passion is being a parent or playing you know, on a competitive slow pitch softball team outside of the office. And so their work feeds their passion. And right. So you have to kind of cater to both those. But, you know, an example is we brought in this amazing 
we brought an actually amazing group of interns and they came into the organization during the middle of the pandemic. They brought, we brought them on right before the pandemic hit and we're like, well, we, we're going to keep them on. Like we wanted to give them their experience. We're going to figure a way to make this work, even though it was tough, right? We do, we don't believe in not paid internships. So we were paying them something. It wasn't much, but it was something and we wanted them to have an experience and, and still be able to put that on their resume. One of them went on to work, I think like Motorola, one of them went on to JP Morgan, but also got an internship, another internship at Facebook and another went to Tencent. So big opportunities after working with little happy group, but one, and they all did, made their own impact. But one that I remember was um, he loved coding and mm-hmm. we're running outbound sales and service. And we had our process and he looked at it and it's like, I can make this better using different technologies. And we're like, what do you mean you can make this better? He's like, I can make this better. And like, okay, show us out. And within, I think a week later, he came back with a new process that reduced our time to cleaning leads by hours. And we were kind of like, I barely know Excel. And he's talking, I was like, I was like, man, I don't, I don't get it as long as it's doing. And I was like, so my business partner, Phil is big brain. And he had the, the operations and computer science background. He's like, Rob, this is good. I was like, then let's implement it. Whatever we need to do, let's do this. Mm-hmm. And I had another intern, the one that went to Tencent. She was going to school for something else, but knew that, that there was something missing. And so we're like, hey, can you help out with this other project? Maybe you'd be a good fit for here versus like the client work. She helped up on a project, which we launched our bootcamp for. And she crushed it. She owned the community aspect. She owned the surveys. She used all of her skills to help build this program from scratch. And she made a big impact. And it's because her passion was over here. She showed that, asked about it. We're like, well, you're doing okay here. Would you want to try this? Like, we think you might, we think you might be onto something and came in and helped us launch a bootcamp in the middle of a pandemic. And we built the plane while flying because, well, shit, all our contracts went on hold. And so we had, like many a month with no revenue coming in. And so we're like, how do we do this? Mm-hmm. And, you know, she was integral piece as, as well as our program manager that we brought on to, to launch this thing in 30 days. We launched a global bootcamp in 30 days that had 13 companies from nine different countries and 75 mentors from around the US that we brought in in that short time. So that's, that's where you can see impact happening. If you just have the conversation and give them opportunities, they said, hey, I think I could do this better. Cool, show me. What I hear here is having fluidity. As a leader, you really need to be flexible and fluid and understand that, okay, I might be hiring this person or a trainee for this particular role, but then we'll be exploring, right? And that's what the continuous conversation is about, seeing what you do like, what I see you really shining on uh, within and, and trying to find that sweet spot for this person where they are motivated, where they're challenged enough, where they're developing and where they bring value to the company. And I had some friends, I have some friends, business owners who, who do it quite a lot with the trainers or trainees and traineeship program within, within mm-hmm. their small businesses. And they say, sometimes it takes several months. That's why my traineeship program is six months, because three months, the first ones, we're just trying. And they jump from one role to another to find their role. And sometimes I had to come up with a completely new role with that didn't exist in my company because yeah. that was the sweet spot for that a little girl or boy. And and there, they were just making a huge impact on the company. I, I can't love this enough. And the fact that, yeah, we have job descriptions and we have roles that need to be done for the company, but there's so mm-hmm. much things, so many things now that we don't know that we don't know and opportunities that could pop up when you're building an organization, especially in that growth stage scale-up space, mm-hmm. right? And why do we expect... 18, 19, 20, 22, 24, 26, 28, 30-year-olds 
to know what the hell they want to do with their life for the rest of their life. Like it is a ongoing process, right? And we used to have this mentality. You go to school, you pick a major, you get that degree, you go into that, you work up and you spend your 20 years. That's no longer the world we live in, right? Mm -hmm. That was how it was, not how it is. And we need to look at it that way. And that, hell, I'm 34. I've bounced around different things, still try to find all the things that I want to do. And I don't have it all figured out. And I hope I don't. I know where I want to be with my career. And I've had that conversation being a university professor on entrepreneurship and kind of go in and really share what it's like. Because I feel like a lot of universities don't show what entrepreneurship really is. It's the glorified version, not the real version. How am I going to get there? I don't know. When is that going to happen? Don't know. Don't care right now. Because I'm having fun in the moment of what I'm building now with my brand, with Rise Up, with the content, the conversations I get to have on a daily basis. And so I'm going to live in this while I got it. And if we look at our employees like that and give them those opportunities, because it's easier to retain your employee. If you come in, you're not good at sales and you don't love it. What about marketing? What about ops? What about customer success? Instead of just cutting them loose, are they, are they skilled? Are they good? Are they culture fit? Do they have tangible things that you want to keep in the company? Find a, find a place for them. Even if that means defining a little bit different role, as long as it makes an impact and drives ROI, it's on the companies. Companies needs to do those things. Like it goes both ways, right? All those kids out there, all those people out there that are working, like, ah, I would love to do that. Have that conversation with your managers and bosses. You also need to speak up. It needs to go both ways. That fluidity piece, it goes both ways. You know, I can sit here and say, oh, company, you know, what about the, you know, the employees speaking up? Well, yeah, absolutely. Employees need to speak up. It needs to be a two way conversation. None of this is one way anymore. Two way conversation. Sure. I want to touch upon this thought of what you mentioned that it's not anymore the way that you you find your job, you get into the company, and then you just retire from the same company. And that's not the case anymore. And we'll be switching careers 10 times or so, and Gen Z probably even more, let alone the companies within those careers. So it's inevitable that you'll lose your people most probably, right? At least some percentage of it. You can't retain all of the great talents you hire. Mm -hmm. So what could leaders do to be okay with that? (laughs) That there will be turnover and still be motivated to put into these employees and uh, invest their time and their training efforts into those people, even though they know that their chance is high that this person will leave me sooner than I want. Yeah. I mean, I think this is the chicken or the egg conversation, right? That we talk about. And the way I look at it is even more so the generations after will have, you know, even already, already now, Generation Alpha will have a bigger buying power than Gen Z. And Gen Z had a bigger buying power and they weren't even teenagers yet over millennials because parents bought for the kids, right? So, you know, from the employee side, they're going to need to go on and they can find things on YouTube, TikTok. They need to go find extra training. Like that's on them too, because they know where to go find it. But it's also a company's impetus to put in the effort. You know turnover is going to happen. Whether you do or you don't, turnover is going to happen. And usually turnover is going to happen for the same thing. They didn't care about me. And mm-hmm. would you rather have employees leaving because you trained them so well that they went on to do bigger, better things and they look back favorably and talk favorably on you where that door comes back around, where that opportunity for business comes back around? Or would you rather be like, I don't go work for that company because they don't put time and energy and effort. They don't make their employees feel loved. It's going to happen one way or the other. It is. It's just, it is what it is. How do you want to be remembered on the lips of those employees when they go off and do other things? Because remember, they could come back. They could go do five years somewhere else and come back to be a leader that takes you to the next level because they remembered how much you put into them. And they needed to leave to go realize what they had. 
and then go get other experience to come back and make a bigger impact. Well, then they never come back, but they actually become a, a collaborator, a referral Science. partner and whatnot. Exactly. Yeah. So it, it is about keeping those relationships. Mm-hmm. And and you're right. Uh, the statistics shows that 80% of people who, who are leaving, voluntarily leaving their job are doing it because of the leadership or lack of their off. Mm-hmm. And that is you, genius leader, with, who can do something about, right? And uh, talking about that, what you said earlier, Rob, was that the employees want to be seen, right? They want to be noticed. They want to be to feel like they are wanted in here and mm-hmm. appreciated. So what would be the differences between the millennials' way of being seen and the needs for that and the Gen Z? So we can relate to the needs of the millennials yeah. because most of us yeah. are there. Yeah. <laughs> and then I think for a lot, and this is just going to be a feeling from the conversations that I have and, and whatnot, that millennials want to be seen and afford the opportunities to take the next level. You know, a lot of, depending on where some spaces were promoting too quickly. And so you have a lot of really like young millennial managers that have never been trained on how to interview never been trained on how to hire a good employee, never been trained on how to lead employees and like just treading water. Or on the other side of it that I talked to is like, hey, I've been in my role and I'm like in this stuck point of like, I'm good at what I do and there doesn't seem to be a way up or the next level for me. And for millennials, it's what is that next level that provides me that opportunity or that support. Mm-hmm. For Gen Z, it's just about having a seat at the table right now. It's can I go somewhere that I can leverage the skills to have a seat at the table, whether that's in my team at a large organization or at a startup. And we always talk about this seat at the table thing. And it's like, well, why should they have a seat at the table? Well, you don't know what you don't know either. And they don't have to have a seat at the table at the corporate level, but they can have a seat at the table in their team level and understanding that. I mean, I went in, when I came back from living in Italy for two years, having a master's, my boss was younger. And like a lot of people were like, how did you deal with that? you know what? She was deserving of that role and was awesome to work with. And it was a one-two punch and like allowed me to like bring in what I learned in leadership skills and help her grow. While she was, you know, amazing what she did. She taught me a lot and it's a two-way conversation. And that's where it needs to be for all leaders and find those, put those people around you that can help and, you know, have your, you know, I call them like your little generals, right? Like you have your, you know, your people on your team that are going to help build out your wider team and give them that, like you can give them responsibility in that and reward them without making it, oh, we don't need to have three managers, but you can kind of layer that out to give everybody opportunity to have seats at the table and have conversations. And so that's what there. And then one thing I want to touch on, and I, for, I we think we forget about this and you brought it up earlier about investors and the board and all this, like, how do you manage that? Like, as you get bigger, it's like, how the, how the hell do you manage that? I don't, I don't know. Like, I'm not in those board meetings. But, you know, what I would say to those that are in those board seats and investors, like, I know you want a quick ROI on your money and all these things and pushing, pushing hard on it. But remember where you were when you first started. Remember the impact you wanted to have. And start thinking about when we invest in these companies and we're leading these companies from the top, where can we maximize our ROI and innovation? Granted, we're hitting all our KPIs. Like, they're still like the business side of it. Mm. But where can we, as a leadership team and those at the top, also provide support and opportunity and think about, well, what if we had this one breakthrough? Because while stifling that keeps things running, but what if you have that one breakthrough, that new product and it's a billion dollar product and everybody wins, right? Like mm-hmm. look at look at MailChimp uh, acquisition. Mm-hmm. Uh, they never took on investment. You know, I know there's all kinds of like things about it, but 
it started with a product that didn't really work and they just kept pivoting and listening, pivoting and listening, pivoting, and listening, and they let innovation happen and then created this amazing thing that everyone uses. Hence why they exited at such a high valuation and made a lot of money because they didn't let other people tell them what they should or shouldn't do. And they kept letting innovation happen based on customer feedback and failures. And that's just a great example of what it started out to be to what it ended were two different things. Mm. And that's where like these companies and board need to be like, hey, just because we're at today doesn't mean this is where we need to be 10 years from now. Like, let's, mm. let's evolve. Let's grow. Let's be fluid from the top down. And that's where it happens. Top down and bottom up. Both sides have to have to put in the work. That's hard to get everybody on board, I know, but you know. That's our job as a leader, right? <laughs> that's the definition of it, to really keep everyone on board and um, take decisions. It's hard decisions sometimes if someone is not capable of being on board and if we just don't align. And uh, it doesn't mean that uh, we are bad or they're bad. It's just not a fit. And, and then you need to be bold and uh, take responsibility for those decisions and maybe offboard some people for example, to help them to find some some benefit for themselves within the company or somewhere else. Yeah. Those are also parts of leadership. That's the hard and, parts. Yeah, those are the but, hard parts. But, but the fun parts. I, I think most rewarding parts, I'd argue. Yeah, I would agree with you, Rob. And it's interesting conversation about the board of directors or especially investors, for example. There's quite often now I hear these conversations that investors say, we invest first and foremost in the team and then into the idea, into the solution and the product and so on and so forth. But then when we talk about how do you invest in your leadership team? How do you help them be sustainable with their performance? They're like, no, nothing. <laughs> so I really want to point it out. Sometimes we need to walk the talk on that matter as well. And this is one of the ways to invest in our people. When you're investing in the company and you say that I'm investing in you as a team, be okay with them spending some time on working on that bigger impact third, because that's you showing that you invest in your people. Yeah. You're making sure that they are happy, that they are sustainable with their performance and with their success. Absolutely. Rob, I would like to stop wrapping up and being mindful yeah, of the time. Absolutely. Um, I usually ask three questions in the end. One of them is the easy one. If people want to learn more about you and what you do or contact you, send you follow-up questions or whatever, what are the best ways to go around? Usually LinkedIn. It's Rob Napoli on LinkedIn. Rob Napoli is the, the end piece of it. You could also find me on Instagram, buys underscore up dot Rob Nap. I'm on all the platforms. I actually have a Beacons link. It's Beacons, B-E-A-C-O-N-S dot A-I backslash Rob Napoli. And that has the link to all my social profiles, has a link to my new website that I just launched. Well, not... it's rebranded, renewed website. Mm. Um, also my podcast, The Bare Necessities of Entrepreneurship. Uh, so you can kind of find me on all the different platforms and connect with me however you want. I love talking to great people about all kinds of things. So entrepreneurship, innovation, future of work, all things that I love to talk mm. about. So mm. right. that's what and I, I can only recommend The Bare Necessities of the Entrepreneur of Entrepreneurship Podcast. It's, uh, you're having great conversations there with both fantastic people that bring energy and a lot of insights and share experiences that can help a lot on the entrepreneurship journey. So thanks for creating that platform and Absolutely. creating the, the bear, bear nation that you call it. <laughs> yeah, it's been, yeah. it's been a fun journey to do. And, you know, just a quick point on that, the reason why I saw that we talk about entrepreneurship, but we don't talk about what does entrepreneurship look like moving forward. And so I wanted to talk to pre-seed, seed, and like those going for a series A in that early stage, like what was their journey? Entrepreneurship comes from everywhere and it's not a linear path. So what is that journey? What are they dealing with? What are the challenges? And what is the future of this 
this building a business look like? You know, with the new age leadership and a lot of these entrepreneurs are millennials and Gen Z themselves. And it's cool to see their insight. When you launch your book, which is in the coming, will it also be linked in the beacons that people can find and grab their copy there? It will. It will. So the pre-sale goes out November 20th mm-hmm. of this year. And the book will be, if you pre-order it, it'll be shipped out on January 23rd, or you can start buying it from January 23rd, 2022, you know, one, two, three. Uh, makes it easy. So it'll be in that link. Um, more more coming soon as uh, we'll be putting the pre-sale out here in about a month and a half, but less than a month and a half away. It's mm. kind of crazy, crazy, but it's coming. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a fascinating journey. And I really hope that you you enjoy it. You really need to just sit there and, and breathe the, the process because that's, <laughs> that's fascinating. And you don't launch the book and you, every day, let alone the first book. So yeah, I hope it, that you enjoy it. I'm trying to embrace it. The imposter syndrome has hit mm-hmm. spike at different levels. And when I sent it to editing and, and put up the, you know, put up the dates and all that stuff, the imposter syndrome really set in again. And so really work, working through this, like, you know, this is two year project coming to a conclusion and putting myself out there in a way that is fucking scary, but I am mm-hmm. excited about it. So mm-hmm. definitely working through the process on that one. Thank you for sharing that so openly, Rob. I think it's important for us to hear that, all successful people also have the imposter syndrome and it just pops up in different directions and in different, in different uh, situations. Yeah, all the time. That. Yeah. So Rob, uh, three pieces of advice that you would give to genius leaders tuning in. And it can be some summary of what we have discussed about the Gen Z in the workplace and motivation and leader guiding them. But it can be something else that you feel like we have missed and we should have covered. Yeah. So three pieces of advice to the Genius Leadership Podcast nation here is is one, be curious, right? Mm-hmm. Don't stop learning. Don't stop evolving. You know, I say this all the time and most people don't laugh, but I love this. Sig Ziglar said, what is an expert? X, mm-hmm. it's form or something, spurt, a water spout. Mm-hmm. And it is that an expert is somebody who looks back and not forward. And expert is in the eye of the, you know, who's seeing it. And you can be an expert on something, but if you don't continuously grow and learn, you fall behind. So be curious and always be learning. Two, I, you know, my book is called The Social Soul, Mastering Your Personal Professional Brand with Authenticity and Intentionality. Build a personal brand. And it doesn't mean being another influencer. It doesn't mean shouting into the void. It means how do you create an intentional value-added network and how do you engage in the communities you serve? Even at the C-level, you see this happen with like Elon Musk, almost broke Clubhouse, Gary Vee does this all the time. Why? Because they know that they want the best future talent from the organizations. They track them early. They're not only attracting customers and buyers, they're attracting talent into the organization, the future mm-hmm. talent that's going to change the game for them. So build that personal and professional brand. Understand they are one now in a hyper-connected world. So put time, energy, and effort into that. So I'm curious, building your brand. And the third piece is just, you know, leadership is hard. Be authentic, mm-hmm. be real, be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Understand that leadership has changed. There is a time and a place where as a leader, you have to make hard decisions. They are not going to be easy and you have to stand firm and you have to hold your ground. But at the same time, be okay with being vulnerable and learning how to grow through those decisions and showing that side of you um, as well. It's a, it's a fine balance, right? We talk about, you know, we need more stronger leaders and, you know, we need to be vulnerable. And it's like one side of it's like, you got to find a balance. It's always a balance of, knowing when you got to stand firm, but knowing when to show vulnerability. Because if you show that, you get buy-in and you can do those things, you know, leadership 
And those two things that they don't exist as mutually exclusive, actually, you can be strong and firm and at the same time authentic. Mm -hmm. It's really about having this foundation, strong foundation for yourself as a person, first of all, and then as a leader of the others in your values. And you talk a lot about that, right? And being firm in that and understanding that, yes, I'm being guided by this inner compass of myself, Mm -hmm. of my own. And the same with the organization. We have our values. We know what is important to us as a company, what we want to bring to this world and what is contribution of every single person on the team for that. That is where you can be firm and at the same time be authentic. And those just go beautifully together then and become a very, very strong case of leadership. Absolutely. And how you can lead. Exactly. Exactly. The example of how to lead. It's how you teach others to be future leaders. They don't see the authentic, vulnerable side and understand what goes on behind the scenes. How are they going to be prepared? It's why mm-hmm. so many people aren't prepared to step into that because they're not being showed both sides of that leadership point. And that is where leaders make the biggest impact. So I love that. that that's being the example of how to lead. Love that line. Yeah, it, it was born thanks to you with this conversation, Rob. <laughs> so thanks for pointing out. For Last question is one practical piece of advice, some kind of action step that genius leaders can take from them, uh, from our conversation today and implement today. Absolutely. So I love this. And everyone out there, it's a habit that I've been building for a long time. It's every day, whatever platform your community is on, your ecosystem, your customers, take 15 minutes, block off your calendar, and make five meaningful comments Mm. and engage in conversation with your community on a social platform. Mm. Start engaging with your customers. Start engaging with your employees. If your employee is on a podcast or your employee talks about something that they deserve, that they want. And it's not just like, hey, great, this is awesome. Like, hey, so proud of you. My key takeaways were this. And engage in a conversation and start a dialogue. Every leader out there doing that, they start doing that. Watch the type of conversations you get into. It will, it will not only build your relationships and your network, but your customer base, your brand equity, your team buy-in, your employee mm-hmm. engagement, all these things go up when you engage. So as leaders, engage in conversations. I know scary to put yourself out there because it could show weakness of being wrong, but being wrong is okay. Engage in the conversation. So five pieces of authentic engagement a day on any platform you like. I tend to do it on LinkedIn and Instagram because my two favorite, my two biggest platforms. You don't need to be on every platform, just the ones you want to be on, but five a day takes 15 minutes. And I promise you it will change the game on the type of conversations you're having in the network you're building around you as a leader. I absolutely love this tip, uh, Rob. It It is a game changer. It really makes you more aware of what's happening in your network. It creates those beautiful conversations. I quite often tag people in the conversations that I like, and I want to bring some other expert from my network to ask them a follow-up question, for example, on a discussion and so on. And then I see those people connecting with each other, the author and the pe- person whom I tagged. And then they come to me and like, how do you find those people? How can you? Thank you. And do-do-do. and that's just the beauty of it as well. And it's, it doesn't, as you said, it doesn't take much time and much effort. 15 minutes we can all do. Exactly. And honestly, that's how you and I met is through LinkedIn and through engaging in conversation and a mutual connections post. And I think you reached out and was like, hey, you know, love your background. I'd love to chat. And we connect and it's like, oh, we should, we should collaborate and you know, be on my podcast. And you're going to be on my podcast next year in, in, in January. And it was like all these things that just randomly happened because we saw the connection on LinkedIn and it was organic and it happened. So, I mean, even us being here today, 
is because we both were engaging in our communities and just happened to overlap at some point. And, you know, here we are. And I, I know that people are like, oh, that's scripted. Like, no, this is like how our relationship started online and how we're here today um, and having a conversation all because of this engagement tactic. Yeah, I love it. Thank you so much for sharing that piece of advice, Rob. And I already that you shared in the last 54 minutes <laughs> that I see here. I really appreciate your time and your vulnerability and authenticity that you share shared today, but also share in all your you know, content in general. And I'm really looking forward to grab my copy of your book when it comes out because I Absolutely. really, I'm sure that I will learn a lot for myself and uh, there will be a lot of value in that that I can pass on to my audience and to my clients. So awesome. thank you so much. You bet. Thanks for having me on, Anna. Have a great afternoon, evening, morning, whatever it is for you, dear genius leaders. And thanks a lot for tuning in. See you next time. Ciao. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Genius Leadership. If you enjoyed the conversation, hit the subscribe button to not miss an episode. And to help more people become even better leaders, rate and review our podcast and share it with your communities. For more conversations about living and leading from your zone of genius, connect with me on LinkedIn. Genius Leadership is an honest conversation about leading yourself and others. And it's my honor to be your guide in overcoming everything 